Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Podcast Room 303. This is episode 57. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez. This is my co-host, Nicholas Morahan. And guess who's back? Curious George is back in the building, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. George is with us, if only for a brief, limited time. How you doing? He is. Well, actually, we've we've punished him. We've placed him on probation. He's not allowed to speak this episode. Um, and And he said that... Uh, he missed last week's episode because, quote, I have to work, um, and then accused me because he doesn't know Jermaine yet. It accused me of not working. So that's that's ridiculous. I'm currently on deployment defending everybody's freedoms and the the slander that I got from. I mean, that's it's it's almost punishable by a kicking off of the podcast. But I'm benevolent. I'm a benevolent god. So. George has uh, has been allowed to say, Jermaine. I got an awesome email, by the way. So for those of, for for those listeners who have followed the podcast for a little bit, uh, Jermaine uh, is the uh, producer and story writer. What what would you say you are on this this that thing? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about right now. So the comic okay. book dog. Oh, I'm the writer and editor. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Writer and editor. I got an email that that is shipping. That my comic book is shipping to me. So that's a that's a big deal, right now. Yeah, after the drama, I still have not received my copies. By the way. Well, I so mean that's uh, they messed up the first 200 issues. They reprinted and reshipped the next 200 issues, but instead of sending it to my buddy's address and mine, they only sent it to him. We called and complained again, obviously. They printed the 35 issues. You're very good at that, by the way. They printed 35 issues for me again and sent it to my buddy again. Well, that's good. So they have printed 435 total issues, and I have gotten no good copies. Well, I mean, that is just – that's just awesome. It's good business. Yeah, that is good. That's a good business model. Are you going to call and complain anymore? Did you tell them you have a podcast that's largely based around your – ability to complain uh no i do not you're the complainer on this podcast so i don't quite understand how i'm the one getting labeled as this there's a reason why you're constantly ranting that's just a rant that's not a complaint that's just a rant i want to set things right in the world all you do is complain about the major league baseball and rob manfred while i praise him for being the mafioso extraordinaire that he is (laughs) Listen, I will not have such slander of praise for Rob Manford on this on, on anything that is attached to my name. He is he's like uh have you ever seen that cartoon movie Megamind? Yeah. He's like Megamind. Yeah. <laughs> apparently. I dude, here's what here's the thing. I'm going to go work in Major League Baseball and one day Rob Manford is going to be like meeting with the team and he's like, "Hey, do I know you from somewhere? I think I heard you somewhere." I'm like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> Didn't ever hear me anywhere. Definitely not on a sports podcast where I talk shit about you constantly, my new boss. If you're going to be in Major League Baseball the first time you see him, you have to put shaving cream on your hand and slap him. Uh, And yeah, and then I won't work in Major League Baseball ever again. Congratulations, you're winning two times. (laughs) Two times. That would mean you're undefeated versus Major League Baseball. And that's a nice little segue we have for this episode's trivia question. So in honor of Gonzaga's opportunity to go undefeated in the regular season with a victory over BYU this evening, we decided to ask you, the listeners at home, 
How many NCAA teams have gone undefeated in regular season play? Bonus question. Who was the most recent and when was it? And the answer is Dakota Prescott got absolutely paid. Oh, I mean, I was going to add something to that, but sure, we'll move on to, to, to Dakota Prescott. What were Prescott. you going to add? Go ahead. What were you going to add? Well, I was just going to ask you if you knew, just you knew what the last team to go undefeated in the regular season was and not win the uh, tournament. Oh, absolutely not. I don't know that. It was the 2015 Kentucky Wildcats. They lost to Wisconsin in the Final Four. But they went undefeated in the regular season? Regular season undefeated. So then what we have written down for our most recent win is wrong then. No, no, no. Because, well, then why did you say regular season play? All right, so what, what, I, what I meant for this trivia question is and, and – it's it's which teams have gone undefeated in the regular season and won the NCAA tournament, and who was the most recent. So there you go. I've, I've fixed the trivia question. Okay. <clears throat> so for those of you listening at home, when I asked him, I was like, oh, is this un- regular season play? And then – I don't – I was not paying attention. Me. Okay. I was not All paying right. attention. Yeah, I don't pay lot. attention pre-show. Thanks a lot, There's, Nick. We we have a segment called Nick Talks Out of His Ass for a reason. It's because I don't pay attention pre-show. We're going to move on to Dakota Prescott's contract. Please. Did you know his brother's name was Tad? <laughs> no, but it's awesome. I saw his Instagram post, and I was like, that's not his real name. And then I looked it up, and I was like, oh, my God. Dak and Tad, bro? That sounds like a buddy <laughs> cop movie waiting to happen. Disney, call me. I will write your script. That is hysterical, well, he has, bro. Well, he has 126 million guaranteed to write the buddy cop movie. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, Dakota, call me so you can executive produce and we get this bad boy off the ground with that payday. So, in, anyways, into the contract details of this deal. It's a four-year, 160 million dollar contract with a no trade clause. 126 million dollars of this contract is guaranteed. With him receiving $75 million in the first year, which includes a $66 million signing bonus, which is largest in history. It effectively works out to a six-year deal with the final two years voiding to four, and that's the reason why it's structured like that is to help the overall cap hit. He is due to make $42 million a year for the first three years. Yeah, I'm. I, dude, this is a this is a shocking contract. <laughs> yes. I, what I, do you? What I, else I, can you say? I, I like. I I mean, is is there any more Jerry Jones thing than this contract? This is the Jerry Jones of contracts. Absolutely. Forty-two million a year in the first two years. You're telling me Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott, is a forty million dollar quarterback. And this is exactly what my friends and I have been telling our Cowboys friends. We are constantly yeah. telling them he is not worth $40 million. He's not. Do not pay that man $40 million. No, now, they paid him $42 million a year. Now, we love players on this podcast. So, good job, Dak Prescott. Way to get uh, essentially 75% of your contract, over 75% of your contract, guaranteed money. And seventy-five million in the first year, and 
good for you, right? Get your money in case you get hurt and everything like that. Good for you. But Jerry, what are we doing? People are people are destroying the Cowboys on social media. And they're saying with this deal, with this six year deal, the Cowboys will not reach the uh this would this excludes the Cowboys from uh winning the playoffs. That's funny, uh, dude. So I I do I so I have to agree, dude. I love that Dakota got hundred and twenty six guaranteed. And he got seventy five in the first year. Like that boy got yeah. Almost fifty percent of the overall <laughs> worth of the contract in the first year, which is outstanding. Good yeah. for him, fantastic. But God, is this just horrendous on the part of the Dallas Cowboys <laughs> as far as like building a team to get t- together? It's insane that they put this deal together when they could have gotten him for cheaper and for longer if they would have signed him two years it- ago. Yeah, I'd. In, I mean, in in the age where we talk about where where the last three contracts we've talked about, right, has been uh, the CMC extension, the Patrick Mahomes and the Travis Kelsey extension, we've been talking about a new era in which we're entering in the NFL, in which GMs are taking a forward look at contracts and saying, "Hey, while they're in their rookie deals, let's extend them because in two years they're going to demand a truckload of money." And right now, let's just extend them, and we can get them cheap. And I, what, what did we say about the Patrick Mahomes contract? In ten years, that's going to be, or in six years, that's going to be a steal. It's a steal of a contract. Yeah, over and the span that, of the deal. Yes. Yeah, and in that, in that, in this new world, there's something that we can in, in this new normal of 2021 and 2020. I'm so glad we can still rely on Jerry Jones to just throw money at cracks in the dam. It's an, it's embarrassing. Jer, Jerry Jones is a detriment to winning. Now I will say How, when, when, when when do we start when do we start comparing Jerry Jones to Al Davis? That's a great question. In terms of like his his ability to like at least Al Davis, as crazy as Al Davis was, he won Super Bowls with the Raiders. He he brought championships to Oakland. Jerry Jones has not at least that not not that I know of, because he bought he bought the Cowboys in the nineties, right? No, Jerry Jones won with uh, Jimmy Johnson. But he, he wouldn't won. How many? He, 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 <laughs> he fired him the next year because he didn't like the fact that. Um, oh wait a minute! Because I mean, that's an ex- president and general manager of the Dallas Cowboys since nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, so he won with Jerry. He won. Oh, he Lord won in the nineties. Were with Jimmy Johnson, and wow. because he won with Jimmy Johnson, and Jimmy Johnson got all the credit because of that Herschel Walker trade, and was it Herschel Walker? Yeah, I think it was Herschel Walker. Uh, yeah. But that trade that turned into a ton of picks, and they rebuilt their team from the ground up, and they won all their championships in the early nineties. They gave Jimmy Johnson the credit, and not Jerry Jones, and his narcissistic egomaniacal 
asshole self would not allow him to just reap the benefits of being a multi-time world champion owner and has prevented him ever since from being relevant in that sense. Well, I guess I, I guess that, that leads even more to my point then now, right? Yeah. Is that Al Davis won championships early in his career and then kind of just tried to throw money at a problem and, and wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't take a good look at himself in the mirror. I mean, it's, so one thing I will say is I think the play of Andy Dalton, Ben DiNucci, and uh, myself and you as the starting quarterback for the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys this season got Dakota Pat Prescott more paid than if he would have played the whole season balling out and the Cowboys would have went eight and eight. And eight. By, by the way, that it was it's you, you may have mistaken that as um, – Jermaine and I on the field at alternative times. We were actually on the field together. They gave us both a ball, and we still could not win games for the Cowboys with two quarterbacks on the field. Yeah, we were the first ever Siamese quarterback. <laughs> Siamese quarterback. All right, so we're just yeah. going to move move away from the uh, this Dakota Prescott deal. Shout out Dak Prescott for getting paid. Uh, the dude is a damn good quarterback. He deserved to get paid. He did not deserve this much money. I'll always <laughs> forever stand by that. He is not better. Uh, he does not deserve a better contract than Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. He, uh, I will allow him to have a better contract than Lamar Jackson, but you know uh, that's crazy. So George actually dropped into the chat for us that Jerry Jones is a three-time Super Bowl champion and he was an executive of the year in 2014, which uh, is I think that's when his son started working with him. What was the Cowboys' record in 2014? I think that was the year they went uh, fourteen and two, or thirteen and three. And was that the year that Tony Romo did the Seahawks thing, or was that the f- year that D- Dak first started? Either that had to have been the year. That had to have been the year that Dak first started, because yeah. the Seahawks thing was like way or was like way earlier. 12 it was like two thousand eight that he did the Seahawks thing. They were twelve yeah. and four in yeah. that two thousand fourteen year. Who was the starting quarterback that year, George? We're going to move on. Yeah. Uh, speaking of contracts, Ben Roethlisberger reduced his contract from $19 million to $14 million. Uh, so he's following the Tom Brady approach to winning Super Bowls to take less money so the rest of his team can be good. And then everyone else can be upset as to why why does Tom Brady keep winning while these quarterbacks are signing these $40, 50000000 million contracts and screwing the rest of the team over. So, shout-out to the Steelers for getting that done. They're pretty cap-strapped this year. So, that's pretty essential, especially when they have to replace uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner because I do not expect them to be back. As far as rules changes that are being um, discussed this offseason, most likely won't be implemented because the NFL is one of the slowest-moving machines in the world. Uh, It's right up there with the Navy, the U.S. government, and Nick Morahan when he's running. So... (laughs) The rules changes are Bills want to change the head coach hiring process. They want to bar job interviews until after conference title games and hirings after Super Bowls. What are your thoughts on this one, Nick? Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I, I think we, we talk, we've talked this about this at length. Like, uh, we when when I'm when I'm watching the NFL playoffs, like that week leading up to the NFL playoffs should be a celebration and a breakdown of what both teams have accomplished up to that point it it should be it should be basically what i'm talking about like just in the playoffs in general right i don't care 
what coaches are on the hot seat or like what coaches are good getting job interviews. I care about the playoffs, right? When and and job interviews until I I would say bar job interviews until after the Super Bowl. I don't disagree. So I like that the Bills are trying to implement this. I love the idea, and yeah. I agree with you going even further to where you can't interview candidates until after the Super Bowl because that's just a big-time distraction. If you are an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator or a quarterback's coach or a defensive back's coach or whatever title and position that you hold, interviewing for another job while trying to prepare for the biggest game of your life (laughs) is an absolute nightmare scenario, and I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy except if your name was Jack Easterby. So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like it's, this idea. Yeah, it's and also like like from a front office perspective, like I mean, you you kind of don't want people to like you kind of you, you spent seventeen weeks. I mean, if if we throw preseason in there, right, and and OTAs and all that stuff, you, you've probably spent thirty weeks at this point. You know, twenty twenty five to thirty weeks getting ready for this one week. And you can't not have a job interview. That's what I would ask the coach. Big like, look, dude. We're one. We're one step away from having your name written in in eternity. And you can't not like you can't just wait. Yeah, I. <laughs> I guess not. I guess they really want the job that bad, and it's almost like they're in kind of a really terrible situation in the first place. Oh, that's for sure. Why, that's probably why Eric Bieniemy hasn't gotten hired because he, he can't spend he probably refuses he probably refuses to interview yeah, or his probably, or his interviews are like hey i gotta go <laughs> like i gotta prepare the teams are like well what offense do you think you would run he's like i'm trying to plan offense right now yeah have you watched my have you watched the film i thought that's the reason why i'm here so it's got to be a pretty terrible situation across the board and I'd argue that these coaches are preparing for probably 52 weeks a year. I don't think they ever stop thinking about football. Very true. Yeah. So I'm just saying like actual football activities. Yeah. Team, team organized team organized. Yes. Yeah. So you, and then you, and then you saw that, that on rule changes, the, the Ravens want to add a sky judge, uh, who sits in the press box and can overturn any quote, egregious and, obvious missed calls right there during the game and i say isn't that why we we isn't that why football games are now like three and a half hours long because we did this whole everything has to go to new york everything has to be reviewed in in new york so with this sky judge thing this is by the way this is just one team but are we just saying now that new york is incompetent i agree that they are um and that we need someone there to do the job. Yeah, that's 1000% what we're saying. New York has missed it every step of the way. Every rule change they've implemented has not worked. And the most effective thing to do is add another official that is present at the game that is only watching that game, who is conversing with the refs on the field during that game, who gets it done. You add a sky judge, he can get you time, distance, and goal to go much more effectively than one referee putting on a headset and watching a replay 37 times trying to get those numbers and exact spot down. So 
ideally, uh, if implemented correctly, which we know it won't be because it's the NFL, <laughs> this should make replay shorter. And again, yeah. I agree with this idea. I will only support it if he's not called the Sky Judge, but the Sky Marshal. Yeah, I like that. Sky Marshals and the captains of tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only Anyways, way I'll, that's the only way I'll entertain this. Uh, I'm going to move this little piece into our standing O and then we're going to move on to the official start of the NFL offseason. So the NFL offseason, I get te- technically has been started as some players have been signed and there has been some trades that have gone off, but March 17th is the official start of the NFL offseason. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Wednesday of next week, your team will be shelling out monster dollars for mediocre production, and you'll be asking yourself why Tom Brady won another Super Bowl. But good news yeah, for you'll, you. You'll be, you'll be overpaying for a running back again. <laughs> Shout out because, Panthers. Because he can because he can catch passes. Yeah, don't worry, the Saints did it too. But on Monday of that week, right, so that would be the 15th for those of you listening at home, at noon, the official, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, the conversation period starts. So that's when teams can start calling free agents. Shout out Hunter Henry, shout out Aaron Jones, shout out Chris Carson, shout out Kenny Galladay. Those are just some of the big-time free agents that are hitting the market this offseason, and they can start talking dollars, numbers, and years. So we should see a pretty busy news cycle for acquisitions next week for the NFL. May I just comment? Jermaine means legally because they're already doing that. But now they, that, that's when they uh, legally can, can talk to players. Yeah, yeah, right now they're doing it on golf courses with beer. Yeah, right? that's right. Agents, yeah. agents and general managers. But mm-hmm. on Monday – of next of next week, that's right, March fifteenth. They can legally have these conversations. You know, that's, that's right. in suit and tie, sitting there while their secretaries bring them uh, the finest Scotch coffee. Mm-hmm. Ooh, Scotch coffee! That sounds delicious. It is delicious. It's one of my favorite so, morning drinks when I don't have to work. Shout out Nick because George says he doesn't work. I don't work. Isn't that the life though? To not work it's, and still get paid. It's the fucking goal. So congratulations, so I'm, kind sir. So I'm I'm sorry that you're I'm sorry that you're falling to the American dream, George, which is a dream job. No one should ever have a dream job. Your dream should be to not have a job and still get paid. I'm sorry that I'm living your dream. It's 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 a great thing that I that I have going for me right now. So you're not allowed to talk. Don't even dare unmute your mic. <laughs> Curious George has been punished. Yeah, you he's been punished miss. for missing for missing next week or last it's week. Like, uh, by the way, like by the way, Gonzaga is down uh, twelve points at the. Or, uh, yeah, they were down twelve points at the half. Let's to go BYU. BYU. <laughs> so, NHL news. NHL news. ESPN has no longer decided that NHL should be on the murderer's row of irrelevancy. ESPN has called up Gary Bittman. Bateman. Bitman? Batman. Batman. And and said, Hey, here's the dollars if we get the Stanley Cup finals and a seven year television deal with you. So NHL is about to be back, back be brought back to Mouse in the House, Disney, 
and they're also getting the Stanley Cup Finals. So now, not only does ABC have the NBA Finals and Super Bowl broadcasting rights, they just acquired the Stanley Cup Finals as well. So pretty soon they're going to run the world. You got to hold Fox. You got to hold World Series. You got to hold it, Fox. You know, it's so funny. It's like Fox Sports was not sold to Disney, but Fox, <laughs> like yeah. Fox Studios was. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, man, they were so close to owning the World Series as well. That'd be wild. We would so what are the so one platform like sports uh, streaming service? That'd been so crazy. if if we're if we're talking about this in terms of uh, the Marvel demigod Thanos, made popular by the MCU movie uh, two part series uh, Avengers Endgame, we would refer to the he he now has three of the stones right. Oh, Disney has to have more than that. They have UFC as well. Well, there you go. So he's got. So, but I'm saying what? So the other remaining stones are the World Series and uh, March Madness, right? No, because they have some of the March Madness games. So it would be. So they have UFC. So they have four. It would be World Series and probably like Olympics, or yeah. World Series, or World Series and World Cup. That's yeah. All right. I I it's I still don't I still don't think that this. I, I won't believe in ESPN until they uh, – Eric made a comment about this the other day. We, I mean, we had, we had amazing action the other day uh, in sports. It's one of the greatest times to uh, be a sports fan right now. Right? Basketball, hockey, spring training, college basketball. Right? And it, apparently since 5 o'clock that morning – when Eric started work, the only thing that they could talk about was Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. Are you kidding me, guys? And Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson, right. <laughs> but like, but seriously, ESPN, I get it. You signed hockey. Does that mean that you guys are going to put more hockey highlights out there? Probably not. You're still going to talk about LeBron in the offseason and then NFL and then NFL big names. Let's do a, let's do a panel discussion for where J.J. Watt's going to go. ESPN should ESPN and SportsCenter, ESPN and their programming should remain permanently in the uh, find and cut zone. I'm all out. They don't do yeah. highlights anymore. That was the, I used to have SportsCenter on repeat in my room. Yeah. Where I would just oh, watch yeah. highlights on repeat. Oh, now yeah. it's all these people. I don't give a fuck about their opinion, giving their opinion on this stuff. Yeah. I'm like, no, if I want NBA opinions, I'm going to go talk to Zach Lowe or Doris Burke, Doris Burke. And by talk to them, I mean, listen to their podcast. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if I want some specific opinions on football, I'm going to go see someone I respect in football. None of the ESPN people I respect, they can all sh- kick rocks for all I care. Yeah. It's also the only interesting I that I want talking is Randy Moss, and I, the only thing I want him doing is mossing everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and yelling straight cash. The the um, it's very interesting that that this deal is made in a in a era where ESPN is hemorrhaging money. I mean, like they are probably one of Disney's biggest losing assets right now. And they still have enough capital to sign the NHL. That's, I mean, that that is, that's pretty crazy. Good for yeah, Gary I mean, Bettman. I mean, he had to make a move. So, 
Good for him. Yeah, so Gary Bettman's on record as saying, what did he say? This is the most significant U.S. media rights partnership in the league's history. So NBC currently owns the rights, and they uh, pay uh, approximately $200 million per year for the exclusive rights in the United States. So that means Disney for sure came up above that $200 million. So I would for wager sure, that yeah. they're probably around the 350 to $400 million mark per year. Uh, but I could be a little off because NHL's valuation is kind of in flux at most times, seeing as their ratings have been taking hits. But that's because yeah. ESPN <laughs> decided to say they don't exist, kind of how Marvel Comics did with the X-Men while Fox owned them. That's right. That's right. Two nerd sports, two, two nerd references for you guys in this one episode. We'll move on That's to right. international football. So Champions League uh, kicked off again after a week's lull. And uh, we were playing the second legs of the matches between Juventus and Porto and Dortmund and Sevilla. So you want to take us through what happened there? Yeah, so um, Porto got a red card, right? 10-man Porto, still only lost 3-2. Because they lose 3-2, right, Porto advances on away goals. So aggregate tied 4-4, Porto advances, Juventus is out. Ronaldo cannot win his sixth Champions League? I think it is six, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dortmund and uh, Sevilla tied 2-2. That means since the first match finished 3-2 to Dortmund, Dortmund advances on aggregate. 5-4. Today we have, or I guess tomorrow uh, for you Eastern Standard Time people, uh, PSG and Barca will play. Remember PSG uh, drubbed Barcelona 4-1 in their first meeting. Neymar will miss this game. Uh, He missed the first game too, though, so I don't really think that's going to have an effect. Jermaine and I said that it might, but it it obviously didn't. Uh, And then Liverpool will play uh, RB Leipzig today. Uh, Liverpool is up 2-0, but remember their recent stretch of form at home is not very good. So horrendous. Horrendous. So if horrendous. if Leipzig can 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 score you know two goals and hold Liverpool to, you know, zero, they could advance on uh, on away goals here. But that's the uh and then in, in another week we'll get the uh, we'll get the other games but we'll talk about that next week. But that's uh that's the Champions League roundup. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I can't believe that Juventus lost still lost the ten man Porto. So actually it was Ronaldo's fault. So the free kick that scored the second goal in this game went through Ronaldo's legs. Uh washed up. While he's <laughs> Get the fuck out of Just here. retire already, Ronaldo. You, this is a washed right, up. Before Nick gets out of hand, we're going to move on to the NCAA. Kansas and Les Miles have mutually agreed to part ways in light of the LSU um, inappropriate scandal he had with some of the girls that were at the school. Apparently, he was messaging these girls, inviting them back to his place. They went back with his back with him to his place and they felt uncomfortable once they were there. Um, so Les Miles is no longer in at Kansas, and I'm sure there's lots of hot takes and opinions on that. Uh, that's just news. We're going to go ahead and move on to something that I saw that I just thought was really crazy uh, as far as a clinching bid for the NCAA March Madness tournament. So um, Liberty clinched an automatic bid 
before they even played the conference title game because their their opponent North Alabama was ineligible. So therefore, they didn't even have to win the conference title to qualify. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. I thought it was pretty crazy. So this time next week when we're recording, we should know the NCAA bracket. So I say we go through the bracket on the pod and we pick a, a room 303 bracket together. Yeah. yeah, I could do that. All right, so we're going to move out of NCAA news and into combat sports. This weekend was a big weekend for the UFC 259. They had four champions on the card, three championship title fights. Uh, One was the GOAT, Amanda Nunes, versus uh, Megan Anderson. And then we had Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blackowitz. And we also had Peter Yan versus Sterling. Sterling. Aljamain Sterling, yep. You want to give your thoughts on those fights, Nick? Yeah, I mean, so so I'll start with the first one you mentioned. When is Amanda Nunes going to stand in the middle of the ring, Russell Crowe from Gladiator Style, and, and you know, is there no one else? I mean, she she has absolutely cleaned out the featherweight division. There's 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 nobody left to fight her. Like it, it's it's. Who, who does the UFC put up to put put up to fight her? She's cleaned out the division. I I don't really think you. I don't think there's anyone left, dude. I don't, like, does she retire now? Does like she start going on like a like a? Do we start replaying her old fights? Like, does she start just fighting like old fa- fighters? Like, she'll go back and fight Holly Holm and Ronda Rousey and <laughs> pull them out of retirement so she can fight them again. I think we should. Um put a new spin on mixed martial arts okay have her, have her challenge the men's featherweight champion <laughs> <laughs> i you know that i i laugh and i, I don't laugh because that's a crazy proposition i laugh because i don't know who would win <laughs> uh, dude she's nunez so- is a terminator yeah she's so scary that i don't know but it- I'm going to have to go with the men's featherweight champion on this. I mean, the featherweight division is Max Holloway's division. If we want to see some something crazy, put Max Holloway against her. That's true, but That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like Volkanovski, I'm going to go out on a limb here and says he he beats Amanda Nunes. Now, I, don't I mean, know there's the percentage. I don't know the yeah, percentage on yeah. that. There's some doubt in my mind. That is without it. And that's doubt. crazy. And that's crazy. That should be what's crazy right there. She's a savage, bro. Yeah. She's awesome to watch fight, but it's it's she's so far ahead of her division right now <laughs> that it's not fun sometimes. You know what I mean? It's like you you appreciate the greatness, but it's like, man, you also want the greatness to be challenged, and that's not there. There's no one there to challenge her. Yeah. Uh the the Algermain Sterling Petter Yan fight. What so so what so and correct me if I'm wrong. At some point in the fight Algermain Sterling was getting his ass whooped, right? He had basically, up to that point, it was the third round, or the fourth round, actually. He had lost two of the three rounds that they had played. His knee was on the ground, and Petter Jan kneed him in the face, yeah, which is... It was, it was pretty blatant. I, I saw it, right? Which is, a, which is an illegal hit in the UFC, correct? You are not allowed to, you are not allowed to knee someone in the head 
when their knee is touching the the mat, correct? Yeah, he's considered a downed fighter, and you are not allowed to like stomp a downed fighter's head. You're not allowed to throw knees at a downed fighter's head, so you're not allowed to do any of that. So if he is down and you could throw a kick at his rear end, right? You can kick his legs, you can kick his body, you can do that, but you can't like the And you can punch him in the face. Yeah, you can punch him obviously, but you cannot just throw a knee and so there's some sticky wickets about this whole thing because apparently what's being reported live on that broadcast was Joe Rogan was saying that he turned to his corner and asked, can I hit him? And his corner greenlit him to absolutely just unload a bomb shot. And then the best part is you have Twitter saying that Aljamain Sterling's faking, <laughs> which is just hilarious. Dude. Now, now... After the fight, Aljamain Sterling was taking photos with Henry Cejudo and posing with the belt. But when he was in the ring, he threw the belt on the floor. Then he was super distraught in the interview and said, man, this is so disappointing. This is not how I wanted to win. But afterwards, 24 hours later, he's he's posing and taking photos with the former double champ as if he's angling for a fight with him when – he didn't even win the belt in the first place. Like, he won on a technicality. You have to defend that belt against Peter Yan. Peter Yan was winning that fight, and Peter Yan was probably going to smoke you in the fifth round. You blew your load in the first two rounds, and you didn't understand that a championship fight is 25 minutes, and you looked outclassed in the final final minutes of that fight. So, that made left a bad taste in my mouth with Aljamain Sterling, almost to the fact where I'm like, yeah, is Peter Yan the sympathetic individual in this? And he's absolutely not because he's a, f- a fucking clown. If you're responsible for putting your life in the middle of a cage versus another human being, and that person's goal is to absolutely sleep you, you better fucking know the rules. It's inexcusable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it ultimately falls down to him, right? You can look at your corner, which is which. Which can we just say is insane that in the middle of a fight, these guys are so trained that in the middle of a fight, when a dude drops to a knee, he has enough time to look at his corner and be like, "What do I do?" <laughs> that makes no sense to me. Like, beat the crap out of the guy. I don't know. Defend your title. He dropped down. Do what every other fighter does and just rock him. Rock him until the ref tells you to stop. Yeah, that's the whole goal. I don't understand that whole situation, and it's it's almost like you deserve to lose that belt if you don't know that rule. Yeah, and so shame on you. You're a professional. You're yeah, a professional I mean, in mixed martial arts, and you don't know that rule. Yeah, I mean this. I listen. I I have no problems with Aljermaine Sterling. You know, to, you know he 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 said you know hey this isn't how I wanted to win the belt. Uh, you know, I don't want I don't I don't want the belt. He threw it down, like you said, and then he's posing for for pictures afterwards. I don't have any problem with him doing that, right? Live it up, kid. Because <laughs> if you thought if you thought better, Jan kicked your ass before. <laughs> I mean, he's coming back with a vengeance. Oh, he's got a point to. Prove. Oh, oh, he's and, going to beat the dog shit out of you. And the worst part is, is he looked outclassed. Peter Yan had already figured him out. And Alge- this yeah. was Aljamain Sterling's first time fighting for the belt. He doesn't get that grace period where he gets to go back and retool and rework and fight 
two other opponents to give him more experience in strategery, right? Not a real word, but shout out George H.W. Uh, strategery and bring it into his next championship fight. He has to fight this man almost immediately. This fight will happen this summer. Yeah. And he better be ready because Peter Yan is an absolute hoss in the ring. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, I mean, so, so, and then the big fight, right? The GOAT, as people like to use the, the word, the word is way too overused these days, GOAT. Uh, Israel Adesanya, right, fought uh, Jan Blaskovitz. Blaskovitz? Blaskovitz. I keep, yeah. I keep confusing him with the uh, <laughs> uh, Wolfenstein character, BJ Blaskovitz. Uh, Blaskovitz, um, I mean, we, you really saw how, Blackovitz came into this fight at 205, right? Adesanya came into this fight at 190. It looked like Blackovitz was 225 and cut down to 205. And it looked like Adesanya was struggling to make 190. That's like the that's like the schoolyard bully fighting the fighting the kid who hasn't had a meal in a day. Like the fighting the scrawny kid. I mean, it, it, you, you, could, you could see that, that Adesanya, the thing that made him good in middleweight was his ability to close the distance or keep guys at bay and three-piece guys and, and literally like have the power in middleweight to knock him out. There were multiple times in this fight where he three-pieced Blackovitz and Blackovitz kept coming because – if you look at that dude, he's a Polish tank at 205. And you you really saw how, how Israel Adesanya should go back down to middleweight. Or he should take the John take a page out of the John Bones Jones lifting program and and pack some pounds on. Yeah, because John, John Jones looks savage. Yeah, if you think John Bones or John Jones isn't taking his jump to heavyweight seriously, you should go look at his Instagram. The dude is putting on weight. Yeah. And he, I, I, you know, I, I just, I just think that Blackovitz, it didn't act like, wasn't a better technical boxer than Adesanya. Adesanya is one of the best technical strikers in, in UFC history, but technical strikes only get you so far when you're fighting a tank. <laughs> yeah. See, so that exact same situation happened to Max Holloway when Max Holloway moved up and fought, uh, dust in the diamond so there's a couple things i a couple thoughts i have on this fight and i would hope so since this is a podcast but (laughs) would you like to tell us about him yeah absolutely okay so a adesanya should have never moved up and taken this fight his ego is his own enemy and that's why i don't like him b i love that jan won in Eight of the last ten fights this man has had. Crazy. Nine of them being victories. He has been an underdog. And and not just an underdog. An underdog of plus 200 or more. Plus 200 or more. This dude is a better's delight. <laughs> right? Like you said, Jan looks like... The, an the absolute... one guy he lost to, Jermaine? Do you know the, who the one guy he lost to? Yeah, John, John Jones, Jones. John <laughs> the Jones. dude that's moving up to heavyweight from light heavyweight. The dude Speaking of tanks. Calls, the dude everyone calls a goat. Yeah. So Jan 
is a gigantic 205. He is a gigantic 205. And Adesanya is a small 185 already. And he moved up to 205 and didn't even make 205 as the weight. So that should have told him to not, not do it. Fourth, Adesanya killed the super fight opportunity that he's been building with John Jones. Every time, every time he's put John Jones' name in his mouth, he used it to build a star power. Did it work? Absolutely. Should he have capitalized it when he won his last fight? When he de- after he defended his belt against Paolo Costa, there was no one really viable left in that division. There was people had to earn the opportunity to fight him. There wasn't a, an immediate fight. That is why he moved up to fight Jan Blackowicz. He did not win this fight and killed the John Jones super fight to the point where we may never see him versus John Jones ever. The time to make that fight was now. He should have been fighting John Jones now. It should have been him versus John Jones at 205. And then John Jones could have two piece, three piece, four piece, put him to sleep, and moved up to heavyweight and ended that kid's life. Because I, yeah. that's what would have happened. Yeah. If he can't handle Jan. Yeah. Again, the last person Jan lost to was John Jones. So that, now a now a coked out John Jones, I'm sure. But I cannot stand Adesanya, and I'm super glad he lost this fight. But I'm also disappointed in the fact that UFC didn't strike on that John Jones thing. And it's because Adesanya kept saying, no, 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 I'm not fighting him. I'm not fighting him. Despite as much as he says that John Jones clout chases off of him, but he's the one who's constantly mentioning him. He says, I'm not ready to fight him. I still have work to do in my division. That's his exact quote. Then he moves up a division to fight for the lightweight belt. What kind of dumb, two-faced, talking out of every side of your mouth bullshit is that? Yeah, that's and why got, he lost, and got destroyed for moving up, and that's what he gets. And he lost the big payday fight that he had him he had himself built. I congrat the congrats to him. I love the fact that he was able to build this fight and have people interested. But him and John Jones were going back on Twitter after he two pieced Paulo Costa pretty freaking easily, might I add. And they were heated. The fans were into it. That was the perfect opportunity to create that fight. UFC missed it. John Jones missed it. Israel Adesanya missed it. And you know what? Impromptu, y'all been find and cut, you dummies. So with all that being said, UFC 259 was kind of a colossal disappointment because the main card absolutely missed. The most anticipated fight ended in a DQ that resulted in a title change. That's the first time in UFC history. The GOAT does what the GOAT does. She domed up. And I don't even think she really hit the girl. She just put her to sleep. And then Jen did what he did as one of the most underrated, outmost, out, one of the more outstanding fighters in the UFC right now. So congratulations to the, to the two champions who successfully defended. Congratulations to Aljamain Sterling for winning the belt. You're good. <laughs> You better be ready to defend that bad boy because you got and, a yeah. reckoning coming. And yeah, and congratulations to the future champion, Petr Jan. <laughs> yeah, and shout out to UFC for signing a partnership with DraftKings. Five years, $350 million. So UFC keeps making some really, really good good moves as far as the island, selling to ESPN, partnering with ESPN+. Plus. 
etc uh, etc et and now add DraftKings to the list to be their official partner for uh legal sports uh books so that's a really big deal i think that's pretty awesome but with that being said i think we should move on to the next topic which wow we're at the so, nba so i so I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on this right the but how how um, do the Brooklyn Nets have any sort of money left? Uh, so, so there's there's what these teams call the mid level exception, and Jesus Christ, and there's another term. It's like the veteran, the veteran limit exception. So there are these built in exceptions into the salary cap system. That allows NBA teams to go out and sign individuals, even if they're above the salary cap. So I believe the mid-level exception now, because of the size of the salary cap, is nine point three something, or nine point three uh, mil, not something. And I believe the mid-level exception is five point five point three. I could have those mixed up, and it could be called something else. I would have to brush up more effectively. But those are some of the exceptions that they built into the salary cap. It's something that the players union negotiated with the NBA, right, in order to provide more opportunities for veteran players to ensure that they can still make teams, you know, even if they don't, even if the team doesn't really want to pay them or the the team was cash strapped or they were doing a youth movement, they could still sign these veteran players and, and give them uh, potential. Also, with the amount of money that they had leave in the James Harden deal while bringing James Harden back, they still had, I believe it was like three or four million open in cap space. And so Blake Griffin was willing to sign for the veteran minimum, which he most likely was because he, in his buyout with the Detroit Pistons, which we're about to go over right now, he was due $75 million for this season and next season, right? So it's $36.6 million this year, $39 million player option next year. He returned $13.3 million of that seventy-five, and still received 16, uh, six, it's not 16, sorry, $62.7 million of that entire ca- contract. Kind of, and I don't know how they do the payouts, but I believe some of it, or a huge portion of it, is a lump sum. <laughs> So, I, I don't know why this. I don't know why this thought just went through my head, but we deal with these figures so much, right? Ben Roethlisberger reduced, you know, nineteen to fourteen. Uh, uh, Dak Prescott signed forty-two million a year for the first three years. Blake Blake Griffin buyout thirteen point three million. Do you ever feel like you you don't see the zeros after it, so it just reduces to like a single number? And you're like seventy five million. You're like, oh, that's that's kind of a lot of money. It's seventy five is a is a decent number, but like that's how I look at it. I'm like, oh, seventy five is a big number, and he gets paid thirty six and thirty nine million next year, or for for this and next season. But like, that's I will never see that amount of money in my life. I will never see seventy five million dollars in my life. And he just received it for a buyout. <laughs> In this, a lump sum, this, yeah, pretty much. This team said, hey, you gave us $13.3 million back. We'll give you $62.7 million to no longer put on our uniform and play any more meaningful basketball for us. Sports are funny, eh? 
it's an outrageous concept. And yes, it you do deal with these figures so much, especially now that we cover it so heavily in podcasts and you and I are are uh, positioning ourselves to move into the sports management world because that is something that we have a passion for that you you almost scoff at these numbers and don't realize the audacity of what these contracts really are. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I, with that being said, that's how the Nets pulled it off. Now, does it move the needle for the Nets? I don't know. I don't really know. My thing is Blake Griffin was able to evolve his game. He shoots the three-pointer at probably a 37% uh, clip now in his older age, and he was averaging like five assists a game uh, most recently as last year. So it's he'll fit in very nicely with that team. And to shoot catch and catch and shoot three-pointers, you're going to be more effective than having to create the shot on your own. So when James Harden's teeing it up on a silver platter and you're just standing in the corner and you're drop splashing in the easiest three-point shot in basketball, you know, you're probably going to be even more effective. So, and my thing is, is Brooklyn no longer has to worry about another team having Blake Griffin. That's the other yeah, benefit. True. So congrats to Brooklyn on that. I mean, you still have to face the Lakers in the finals. <laughs> Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully Anthony Davis can get right. I'm sure he will. Um Man, if Anthony Davis doesn't get right, this this playoffs is gonna be freaking crazy. <laughs> you're telling you're telling me that LeBron cannot carry a team without his uh designated big man? He needs somebody. <laughs> Can't be Kyle Guzma and Dennis Schroeder. That's <laughs> Dog, it's sure. it's uh it's uh Alex uh what what's his name? Alex Caruso. Oh, dude. Don't get me started on Alex Caruso. I can't stand the Lakers fans when they talk about him. Dude, he's a white boy who jams. What's not, what, the, what is there not to like? Dog, they're so obnoxious about the Alex Caruso love. I'm like, dog, get out of my face. Don't mention his name anymore with his five points a game average and three board average. Like, I don't care. Luke Walton was better. <laughs> don't at me. Yeah. Let's yeah, cover probably. some of this NBA All-Star Weekend. Yeah. So first thing we have to cover is Nick and I made a bet on this podcast last week. Uh, Nick gets the bragging whites. I gave him the W Sunday morning because, boy, was my team decimated <laughs> before we – So I was going to let the bet stand, right, when I heard the news of Devin Booker not going to play, right? I was just like, all right, yeah. that's one player. I lost KD already. All right, I well, lost my when Devin Booker left, my pockets were starting to feel a little bit uh, crispy with that new $100 bill that I just got. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to let the bet stand. I'm a betting man. That is perfectly fine. I was pissed because they were like, oh, yeah, his replacement is Mike Connolly. I was like, so you're telling me Jason Tatum replaced Kevin Durant and Mike Connolly replaced Devin Booker? My team is ass water now. And then the day of another barber has COVID because they constantly have people coming in and out of their chair. So they're exposed to it more often. Right. Another, another barber has it. And Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are ruled out because they were exposed to it. And I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? That is four players from my team that are no longer playing. And I, I hit Nick up and I told him, Hey, you get the bragging rights. You get this dub in this bet. But yeah, I'm not I'm not riding the hundred dollar bet no more. And I replied with, That's great, but if you're gonna back out, it's a twenty five dollar buyout. I'll take a twenty five dollar buyout from the bet. 
And I replied with, sorry, for this bet to proceed, starting pitcher must pitch. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Wager, wager cannot be completed. Wager cannot be completed. Here's your money back. Yep. So uh, it's null and void. Nick gets the bragging rights. We'll see each other next All-Star game. And uh, hopefully that Dog, Zach, Dude, Zach Levine is a bulldog who just wins games. That's why I drafted him. Zach Levine lost, though. But it doesn't matter. He won for my team. I guess so. Uh, you know, uh, it was the All Star game wasn't very competitive because the short-handed no. team lost by twenty. Yeah, it was a. And then Dame hit a three to to seal the game. It, it, hit a three to hit a three to seal the game up twenty. From half court, so you gotta love that. Logo Lillard made an appearance. My favorite player. Ended the game. That dude is so icy cold. It's so ridiculous. Him and Steph Curry were out there having a shooter's ball. It was an outrageous thing to watch. Giannis Antetokounmpo did not miss a shot. (laughs) There were some impressive performances in that game. Now, the game wasn't very competitive. And you could kind of feel that was coming because players didn't want to play this game. There was just a lot of hoopla going into this. Uh, Shout out Anthony Simons for winning the dunk contest. I I texted my group and said uh, and sent them this tweet of Zach Levine's dunk during a warm up on Wednesday and said this one dunk was better than the entire dunk contest. <laughs> uh, Steph Curry won the three point contest. I think he shot as he a, should. He shot like a record thirty one points in the first round and in the second round he won the three point contest by sinking the last shot. Um. And then uh, Nick's favorite creative player, DeMontis Sabonis, won the skills challenge. Shout out the year of the big man. Embiid and Jokic are in the MVP talks, and DeMontis Sabonis takes home the skills challenge. What is it like? So what they let, they let like somebody control his avatar on 2K, and then he competed in the skills challenge? Or like what happened? Because DeMontis Sabonis is not a real person. That, that's exactly what happened. Those letters, those letters don't go together. That's like some 13-year-old kid who just was like, this will be a funny name. Yeah, it was actually Guru Funkmaster, <laughs> 98. Deep value. Yeah, he was, a, he was a PlayStation player that led Sabonis oh, to the ship. Good, very nice. I'm glad they're getting the youth involved. So I just wanted to touch real quick on Logo Lillard's 3, right? So in 2019... When Logo Lillard sunk the Oklahoma City Thunder and Paul George sat up there salty as hell in the press conference and said, that's not a good shot. He got that when Lillard sent them home, he said that wasn't a good shot. So mm-hmm. um, Lillard and Steph Curry both shot eight for 16 in the All-Star game um, from three point. And Paul George was up oppressor after the game and they were like so what do you think about uh dame lillard's shot and he was just like yo i owe dame an apology his range is ridiculous that is a good shot <laughs> and he just had he had a lot of fun with uh what he said at after the okc loss and i get it Boo. He, he was a competitor in the heat of the moment he was pretty upset but he boo did. What do you mean, boo? Double down, PG. <laughs> Be like, hey, I saw it up close. Still wasn't a good shot. <laughs> Yo, his feet weren't set. <laughs> Yo. Yo, from the logo, he wasn't even close. Dog, that's like 39 feet. That ain't much. <laughs> that ain't much. 
That shot yeah. sucked. Yeah, so overall, I enjoyed the All-Star Weekend. The condensed version uh, was pretty nice and palatable to watch. I played a lot more Halo Wars than I did watch the actual event, though, so maybe maybe that was probably why it was more enjoyable for me. But with that being said, we'll move on to the Standing O segment of the podcast. And uh, do you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll, I'll, I mean, I can, I can go first. So our first, our first standing O is for, uh, Texas Tech student manager, Ty Lawson. So senior night last, last game before the uh, tournament for Texas Tech, uh, he checks into the game, uh, and promptly puts his body on the line to draw a charge against a college basketball division one college basketball player. I mean, that is commitment from the student manager who's out there battling, Battling out there, battling out there with the big boys on on Texas Tech. So a standing O for uh, Ty Larson. I said Ty Lawson. Ty Lawson uh, did not go back to school. Thirty nine year old Ty Lawson. Thirty nine year old Ty Lawson was drawing. Was drawing. Former former UNC great Ty Lawson is now at Texas Tech being the student manager. No, that's uh, Ty Larson, and and the standing out to him for for checking into the game and promptly doing exactly what the team needs by getting a charge, <laughs> getting the charge, dude. Honestly, it's Dicky B, baby. I'm a sucker for managers who do plays in in, uh, in, in basketball games. Like this has to happen. A, this has to happen a lot more, right? But like the the. Like this, so obviously they probably check in the game, you know, dribble the ball up court a little bit, and, and probably take a couple of shots. But like when, like it's it has to be an automatic Sports Center submission when the student manager just starts balling. Yeah, one hundred percent. I love these stories. I'm always like, yeah. yeah. You always like, you always hear about the kid who loves basketball, but you know maybe he has like a bum leg or a bum elbow. Yeah, or he's white and five foot four. <laughs> or he's absolutely <laughs> tiny, right? There's there's always like uh, occasionally you have the kids who have like autism or like Down syndrome who are the managers because they just love hoops and they do all the dirty work, like literally the dirty work, like clean the towels and the uniforms and stuff. And You're talking about that kid that splashed six straight threes. Yeah, that's dude, exactly that's the video going through. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and he splashes six threes. You're dude, like, just, let's go. <laughs> let's you go. Get so high for that. They actually start playing defense on him at the end, and he's still splashing <laughs> on him. He's still splashing. He's like, you can't guard me, kid. This ain't <laughs> Xbox no more. I heard him talking all that smack. I was like, yeah. let's go, boy. <laughs> he started. He started knocking against his head. He started exactly. wiping it on the floor. Hit that mellow three, Sally, bro. <laughs> I did. I think the last, the last three, he he was getting a little cocky at the end. At the last three that he hit, he chucked it up and just turned around and did the Steph Curry. Oh, dude! Just, so speaking of, there's video. I don't didn't mean to cut you off, but for the Dame, the logo Lillard three to end the All Star game, mm-hmm. Steph Curry's the one who inbounds the ball. He inbounds it to Dame because he he took the shot prior <laughs> and just and walks missed. off. He walked off to his bench with his hand in the air celebrating Dame hitting the shot. Dame hadn't even picked up the ball yet. Like, the ball was still rolling in front of him. He hadn't even crossed half court, and Steph Curry was just celebrating his three. Steph, Steph Curry's on his way to get a plate of nachos before the game's over. Yo, where's my hot dog? Oh, yo. <laughs> Steph Curry had me yo, weak, Ashanti, bro. Ashanti, get me the nachos. 
Oh, dude, if you haven't seen that video, I, I, do yourself a favor look it up. As well as look up the Texas Tech student ma- manager video. That boy took a clean charge. Oh, dude. And, like, I mean, this dude was coming down the lane, and the manager was like, I know what I need to do. That's team playing, baby. <laughs> Fundamentals, what up? That's fundamental basketball, baby. That's what Dickie V likes. Is Dickie right, so- V the easiest imp- imp- impression to do ever? Oh, that's a good question. You just have to talk like this. I love North Carolina. Are we just talking like uh, sports or are we talking like ever? (laughs) Um, No, the easiest, the easiest ever has to be Matt Damon. I mean, I mean, South Trey Parker and Matt Stone killed it, right? In in Team America, right? That's the easiest one. Matt Damon, right? I just did it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. We're moving on to the second and final uh, submission for standing O. The NFL has hired their second female official and their first black female official. Her name is Maya Shaka, right? And uh, she joins Sarah Thomas as the only other official for the NFL. So kudos to her. Congratulations on getting what I'm assuming is a promotion. I don't know what she was doing before. I didn't read about that. Um, But that's pretty awesome. Good for her. Hopefully, uh, she knows how to throw penalties on holding. <laughs> here's here's so so I, I will give I will give my congratulations uh, to her. That's awesome. Like the NFL, you know, it, like Jermaine said, is one of the slowest moving machines ever, and we need more diversity in the NFL. Right? Um, this is awesome. Now I'm going to move into telling a joke. I feel like I have to say that in this current environment. Um, I think all the I think all the officials should be female. I mean, who's better at telling men what they did wrong than females? <laughs> uh oh, here comes Twitter. Uh oh, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> oh no, we got to close up shop. Close up shop. We're moving towns, Jermaine. <laughs> We're moving towns, dude. <laughs> oh man. So, um, what I man. What was I going to say? I was going to talk about the NFL diversity and inclusion because um, what just came that out exists. Other, what uh, what just came out the other day um, was that the hiring actually improved from last year to this year. I think it was five coaches and three executives of is uh, is is that because washington went on the campaign trail to not apologize but hire every single uh minority and women that they that they could get their hands on to be like look we're not racist and misogynistic look at all these people we just hired that could be so about a week ago about a week a week ago (laughs) so the nfl's diversity and inclusion report came out so mm. it talks about minority hiring on GMs and coordinator levels. And was this was this done by the NFL? No. I don't okay. So. I was about to be like, a report from the NFL came out about the NFL's diversity and inclusion. That's a good question. I don't know if it was the NFL who actually did this this report. But That's like us publishing our report on like subscribers to Podcast Room Three or Three. We had a million last episode. <laughs> yeah, forty million, I think. I mean, I, I it's my report, forty million. Oh, so here it is. The NFL did experience progress on the general manager and coordinator ranks, according to a report compiled by the Football Operations Department and NFL Executive Vice President <laughs> Troy Benson. I mean, dude. <laughs> 
Read, so, read between the lines, sheeple. <laughs> yeah, so here, here we go. Uh, they expanded the Rooney Rule uh, for the minority coaches and talent evaluators for career advancements. Um, the And then they talk about the hiring cycle. Uh, head coaches, as only two of the seven teams filled their vacancies with minority candidates. The Jets hired Robert Sala. And, uh, whoa, that's cool. He's Lebanese. Uh, he's the NFL's first Muslim-American head coach. I did not know that. Hmm. Houston hired well, there's sta- another standing O. Co- coach. Uh, yeah, seriously, another standing O. Uh, David Coley. So the Texans Oh, that's David right. Coley. That's right. Um, David, if you're a good and decent human being, congratulations on being a, a, a head coach in the NFL. If you're a good and decent human being, you will trade Deshaun Watson to the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater's you're a great a quarterback. Decent. Just just listen just listen to Jermaine. He he speaks the world of Teddy Bridgewater. I just don't think you should give Teddy Bridgewater as much heat as he gets. But so let's see. Head coaches received twenty eight opportunities in twenty twenty one to interview. Uh and eight in twenty twenty. That's good. Oh wait, um, no, that's not good. <laughs> well that's less, but how were there more positions? No, no, so it's twenty eight interviewed and Oh, I see. Yeah, okay, I got it. I got tw- it. Twenty more than the eight who interviewed the year prior. I'm, I'm tracking now. Okay. Number. Yeah, yeah, good. Then, Very good. Only two black general managers were were entering the hiring cycle. Hiring cycle were Chris Greer for Miami and Andrew Barry for Cleveland. However, mm-hmm. they filled three of the seven this winter, with Washington hiring Martin Mayhew, Detroit hiring Brad Holmes, and Atlanta hiring Terry Fontenot, which I just love that name. And of the 59 general manager candidates that interviewed for the seven openings, 28 of them were minorities. In 2020, yeah. only three interviewed for the general manager positions. Jesus, those those 2020 numbers were bad. Eight and three. So yeah. eight, respectively. That is insane. So, yeah, the, I just wanted to give the NFL a shout-out since, you know, we're constantly bashing them. Uh, also, sh- yeah, keep going, sorry. No, go ahead. Right, well, also, this is a report done by the NFL, so they're not going to put anything in here that makes them look bad. So, yeah, I'm glad they bumped the numbers up, but also consider the source. Yeah, I mean, for sure. But here is here is uh, the findings of the report revealed that nepotism remains alive and well in the NFL. Okay, Jermaine. Well, I guess I'm the asshole then, huh? Yeah, you should probably let me finish. <laughs> so, at least yeah. one in seven coaches in supervisory roles are related to your current or former head coach. That is a staggering. What are you, uh, what are you my wife? And <laughs> 10 of the 32 head coaches are sons, fathers, or brothers of current or former head coach. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Of the 73 coaches that are related to a current or former NFL head coach, 55 are white. Well, yeah, if we're having an issue with diversity, <laughs> of course they're going to be related to yeah. the white. They're coaches. white? <laughs> yeah, we're like we're the, all right. I mean, that is a fair point. That is some serious nepotism that the fifty-five are white. But yeah, statistically yeah, speaking, okay. like it's gonna it's gonna break out that way. Are we not? Yeah. Anyway, this let's is move on NFL. To- this is literally your diversity report, like your <laughs> yeah, diversity like, uh, report. Like fifty-five are white. What? <laughs> of course, the NFL has been being run by white guys for its entire existence, and fifty-five of the seventy-three coaches related to former coaches are white. <laughs> Say it ain't so, Joe. 
Yeah, we have an issue hiring minority candidates, so you Clip that. expect me to be surprised that nepotism. Anyways, all right. So well, I think we just found our clip for the podcast. Yeah, let's. That's that's a good point. Uh, fight him and cut him this week. Let's move through these pretty quick. Creighton suspended Greg McDermott, which is the father of uh, Doug Mc, Dougie McBuckets, who plays for the Indiana Pacers, for comments surrounding plantation that he made to his team, trying to gather them and to get them to stick together bro get a better analogy he he said and i quote guys we gotta stick together we need both feet in i need everyone to stay on the plantation i can't have anybody leave the plantation there are so many other words greggy that you could have used island boat ship building court uh White Sandy Beach. Well, you probably shouldn't say White Sandy Beach. Um, Team. Sandy Beach. Team. (laughs) Yeah, like team. Carnival. (laughs) Jesus, bro. Get a better analogy. What a dummy. But he was suspended for one game, which was, was, I think it was the game against Villanova, and he's currently reinstated. Uh, Most of the players – came out voiced their opinions and the one thing i did appreciate about creighton's handling of this situation is the athletic director interviewed the the captain of the team and the other players to figure out like how they felt about the situation right because they're really the only ones who matter it does not matter what twitter user uh 6969 fuckboy cares about you know what i mean like it cares about what the the people who are affected by the situation so yeah they did not want him to resign because the uh, Victor, Greg offered that to the players, and you know now he's reinstated for the Big East tournament. So hopefully, good things comes for that team, and they can uh, qualify for the NCAA tournament. Uh, let's move on to the second uh, topic. You want to cover that? Uh, you you got it. So I'll I'll fill in at the end with the with the question. <laughs> All right. So Arizona men's hoops. Boo, fuck you, Wildcats. Boo, Wildcats suck. Shout out the Sun Devils. Um, Forks up. Arizona men's hoops is facing five level one rules violations, including (laughs) two instances of academic misconduct, which is wild. Like two separate instances of academic misconduct. I'm sure every team does it, but like you got caught, bro. Yeah, shout out to UNC for their fake naval science program that they put their basketball players in. Still one of the greatest things of all time. So, Jermaine, I, you know, you came up with this question, but I'm going to ask it to you. <laughs> Will the punishment be worse than a couple of dollars accrued on a phone bill that <laughs> that caused the UMass women's team to be suspended for an entire season? And wins vacated. And wins vacated. That's right. You think wins Arizona will have vacated. any of that? No. That's what makes me so mad about this. I don't think Arizona gets hit with anything near that the UMass women's tennis team hit. We got to order those those sweatshirts, dude, those crew deck sweatshirts. We need to start supporting yeah. UMass women's tennis. Yeah. I'm going to look online right after we finish this podcast to get we, we We literally just missed our chance on International Women's Day to oh. International Women's Day support UMass tennis. It's all right. We don't have to support them on a made-up day that people made up. We can support them whenever. Did you just say a made-up day that people made up? Aren't all days technically made up? Yes, 1,000%. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, like, my thing is, is, like, shouldn't we celebrate women on more than 
one day. Like, <laughs> that's yeah, I always. I agree. It's like Black History. It's like Black History Month. Month. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I, can't, I mean, be, what? You 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 be, cover this one, Jermaine. I'm gonna turn off my mic for uh, for this segment. Shouldn't it be Black History all the time? And instead of calling it Black History, can't you just call it American History and cover what happened in America? Like well, that's, that's what that, blows my mind. Like, is it? Didn't Morgan Freeman say that he was like racism, like towards Black Americans, is not going to go away, and, and like the first step needs to be abolishing Black History Month because you're basically feeding into racism, saying you here you go, you guys get this one month. Yeah, I agree. We do. We are an oppression obsessed culture. There is an oppression obsession that is going on with this culture where we look for racism in places that the racism isn't there. And we give glad-handed platitudes to people. And instead of handling the stuff that actually needs to be handled, (laughs) you know, like high mortality rate with uh, black women uh, trying to birth children is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. We're not tackling that. No, instead, you're giving me a rainbow-colored Starbucks coffee cup and – Telling me that I'm supporting the gay community. I was like, with How I just with with a pa- with a paper straw, by the way, that disintegrates as soon as it touches the coffee. Yeah, one thousand percent. Like, it doesn't make sense what we're doing. None of this is helping anybody. Removing Uncle Ben's from a rice package just does not help the yeah. black community. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I don't mean to get political on this podcast, but it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I'm gonna buy my UMass women's tennis tee when I want to buy it. And I'm going to rock it when I want to rock it. If I want to rock it on Cinco de Mayo, guess what? I'm rocking it on Cinco de Mayo. And everyone's going to be like, well, it's a Mexican holiday. That doesn't make any sense. It's like, it, it doesn't have to. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to wear green on St. Paddy's Day just because you tell me to. Wear your UMass women's tennis t-shirt. On St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> there we go. Wear it every holiday. I mean, my new tradition. I hope Arizona gets the death penalty. Yeah. I might be biased and, and, since I'm a Sun Devil. Yeah, that is that was extremely biased. Yeah. Oh, okay. But, uh, NC State. <laughs> listen, listen. UNC literally created a fake class and got hit with nothing. Yeah, but it was and, a fun fake class. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. Yeah. My hey, buddy, come to fourth my, period naval science. My, my buddy CJ is going to ASU right now, and he's taking a Beatles class where all you do is watch Beatles YouTube music videos and answer questions on it <laughs> and i was just like you're paying money for that course <laughs> dude people pay a hundred and fifty thousand dollars to take like synchronized swimming oh, boy. The cause i can't I, I can't talk my first semester of my senior year i didn't have class monday or friday so the college system is broken anyways yeah. let's move on to the trivia uh trivia question and answer so we asked you at the beginning of the podcast incorrectly so we'll correct it this time how many ncaa teams have gone undefeated in regular season play and have gone on to win the national title who was the most recent and when nick has got the answer for you go ahead Nick. Take it away. so eight teams starting with the 1939 liu blackbirds right who Went twenty four and zero and won the NIT, which in nineteen thirty nine was more prestigious than the NCAA tournament. And then seven more teams after that 
1956 San Francisco, 1957 UNC, 1964 UCLA, 67, 72, 73 UCLA. Think about that for a second. Think about that for a second. That four of that four that four of the eight teams were the UNC UCLA. Sorry, UCLA Bruins, who in like Jermaine said, a decade went thirty and 0 four times. And then the the most recent team is the to go undefeated in the regular season and be the NCAA champion is the nineteen seventy six Indiana Hoosiers. They went thirty two and 0. I did say. Uh, also, interestingly, there's four teams in the tournament era who had unbeaten records, but for some reason uh, did not play in any postseason tournament. Didn't so, even play in them? didn't play for some reason. So, the 1940 Seton Hall Pirates went 19 0. They weren't invited to either the NCAA tournament or the NIT. Uh, 1944 Army Cadets uh, went 15 0. Same reason. Weren't. Uh, weren't uh, invited but because of you know what was happening in the world in 1944 uh there's suspicions that the army wouldn't have accepted anyway uh <laughs> 1954 uh kentucky wildcats went 25 and 0 they declined a bid to the ncaa tournament due to an ncaa ruling that grad students could not compete uh that's a little odd and the 1973 nc state Wolfpack was ineligible for uh, postseason competition due to rule violations earlier that season, so oh, they had the fake so class so first. so we're just gonna we're just gonna I didn't really anticipate that when I was bashing UNC, so we're just gonna skip over that last one. Eight teams, eight teams have finished the the season uh, undefeated. Let's see if we can uh, let's see if we can add another one to that. Let me check the yeah. So uh, Gonzaga Gonzales. actually escaped BYU. They won eighty eight to seventy eight. Yeah, there we go. They were down 12 points at halftime. There we go. We have a team pending. So this trivia question can be retroactively answered if Gonzaga wins the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's pretty, pretty interesting. That'd be pretty fun. Pretty, pretty sweet. Pretty sweet. Like always, thank you for listening. Thank you for liking. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Uh, Keep pushing your ideas to us. Uh, what do you think of the podcast? Everything like that. Uh, remember to follow us on socials at Podcast Room Three Three, Instagram and Twitter. What do you have for the people, Jermaine? No, do exactly what Nick said. Reach out to us, follow us, um, and join us next week when we decide to do our bracket on the pod. And we're also deciding to do a bonus episode next week where we will cover NFL free agency madness.